morning, good morning, you guys. I hope you're doing well on this Sunday morning, the 21st. I'm in Florida fishing with my brothers, having a great time. Dyke McCord from Waypoint is preaching live at the church building this morning. Uh, but I want to welcome you online. Thanks for joining us. A couple things to let you know about. COVID is still a very real thing. Seems like we're at the we're at the Maybe the final turn, hopefully, as we begin to move toward the stretch and things get back to some kind of normality. Hope you're continuing to wear your mask. You know, keep that on. Uh, we also got hand sanitizers. We can give these away when people show up uh, to worship with us. Little baby bottle. We got big daddy bottle. Compliments of Sponge Outlet, Buffalo, New York. Thanks, you guys, for uh, keeping America clean. You're doing a great job. also want to let you know, we got these cool cards made by our social media person, Kaylee. And uh, these just tell you, hey, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And so uh, we'd love for you to follow us on those social media platforms. Uh, that's where we um, post encouraging words, scripture, some cool thoughts, all kinds of things. Connect with us there and um, we'd love to be connected with you. Also, uh, prayer. We got a prayer wall over here. Uh, if there's something we can pray about, something I can pray about for you, or as a church, we can be lifting up for you. Every week, there's new things going on, things happen in people's lives. We want to pray about those things for you. And uh, our family, my brothers, my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone I know is on that wall. And, and we pray for you by name, not your, not, not your world and every detail of what's going on in your life, but just... God knows what you need, and, and uh, I want to make sure I'm lifting you guys up. And if there's anything else we can pray about, please let us know. We're in the middle of this series. Uh, we're, the world is in crisis, not just the COVID, but really the big crisis in the world is sin. Sin has infected the entire planet. Every one of us have been affected. And what sin has done, the, the reason it's a crisis is because sin has separated us from God. It has put a wedge. It's put this great divide between creator God, holy God, and mankind, us. And so we're in crisis. And some, of, some people have uh, discovered Jesus in their life and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, been immersed into Christ. And we have, we have come back into a relationship with God through Jesus. But there's so many other people who just have not done that yet. And, and, and the only hope we have is in a relationship with Jesus by faith to get back into right standing with God. And so we're in a crisis, right? This world's in a crisis. And and we're talking about some survival tools that we need, especially 2021 as, as things continue to develop and there's so much uncertainty in the world and so many things going on, right? This pandemic and vaccines and, and children that are struggling because they haven't been in school and parents who are, who are going crazy because their kids haven't been in school and all these things going on, different ways people cope with what's going on. Some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost their income. Some people are actually flourishing through all this because they just are in a position where it's benefiting them, especially online type things, right? Uh, but there's so many things going on and so much coming against us. 
And so we're talking about these survival tools. And we already said, really importantly, we need prayer. We need prayer in our tool belt when it comes to like survival type things. Like uh, we talked about last week, this uh, bracelet, able to do a number of things with it. Uh, we need survival tools, right, in our, in our belt. We need things that we can use in this world spiritually that are going to help us get through. And sometimes it's just a matter of surviving another day. You know, um, like I said, everybody handles is handling all this craziness in different ways. Some people are, are doing just fine. I mean, nothing phases those people. Other people are struggling, things like emotionally and spiritually and mentally and, and in anguish and, and depression, and, and they're struggling. And so I, I hope that this survival series is helping all of us realize that there's some things that we can hang on to that are of God that will help us make it through another day, another week, another month. And, and the cool thing is about life is that it always takes a turn. Sometimes it does take a turn for the worse, but most of the time it's going to take a turn for the better. At some point, it's going to take a turn and things are going to get better. And so we need survival tools to help us hang on for those moments when things do get better. Prayer, faith, last week we said love, and today the tool of choice for your toolkit or your tool belt in your spiritual life is this tool this survival tool of stick to itness. Stick to itness, right? Stick to itness. It, or determination, right? Steadfastness. Or stickiness, right? Like glue. Like being able to stick to something or stick to things uh, as, as tightly as you can. Uh, and that doesn't mean sticking to all the details about what God's doing in your life. Sometimes. Sometimes we have to give up little things or little things that God might be doing in our life, but we're never going to let go of the big thing, the, the most important thing. And that's this, we're going to hang on to Jesus. Other things might change. Our scenery might change. Our geography might change. What God has called us to might change, but we're going to hang on to the mission of Jesus and following Christ no matter where he puts us, wherever he sends us, and whatever he has us doing. And so, remember the old song, the old commercial back in the 80s, uh, the Band-Aid commercial, I am stuck on Band-Aids because Band-Aids stuck on me. That's what we're talking about, this idea of stick to itness. And the Bible is loaded. It's loaded with examples of stuck people, stuck people. <laughs> and uh, and, and so, some of these people, like, that we look at in the scriptures and we read about some of them some of them demonstrate to us a stuckness to God that blows our mind like we read about in Hebrews 11 all those heroes of old who who held on to their relationship with God even though they were being burned at the stake or sawed in half or or, or, or you know just tortured to death I mean these people are heroes of the faith they stuck to their relationship and their, their connection to God like, like no others. And we look to them like, man, I wish I will be that way if I am ever in that situation. I hope I will stick to God no matter what, not just in persecution, 
but in little things throughout, the, throughout my life, right? Little areas. Because if I'm not sticking to God in the little areas of my life, my finances, my relationships, my work ethic, you know, the things that I do in my world, in my life, every day, the little things, the integrity things. If I'm not sticking to God in those, I will never stick to God in the bigger things. And so we got to master the little things if we want to move on to bigger things. These people, they stuck. Other people in the Bible show us what, what stick to itness doesn't look like. You know, like the opposite. Like they got unstuck or they got stuck on the wrong things. Like, like Jonah. Okay, remember Jonah? He, uh, God called him to go and preach to Nineveh. And Jonah says, you know, I'm running the opposite way. And he runs the opposite way. And then even after God kind of brought him back overboard, it's swallowed by a huge fish that I hope we're catching this week. Um, but um, even after that, Jonah still, he went and preached, but he really wasn't in it, right? He wasn't in it to win it. He wasn't like stuck on doing what God wanted. He was more stuck on... On, on being angry uh, that, that God would even want to save these people. And so um, there's all these examples of uh, people who got stuck in the wrong ways. Judas is another one, right? We think about in the New Testament. He came, he started walking with Jesus, and then money. He became money hungry, and pretty soon he, he just lost focus of his walk with God, and he... He didn't stick to Jesus. He stuck to the purse strings. And purse strings have a way of doing that to people. Money, riches, popularity, fame have a way of sucking our attention off of what's really important and putting it on things that are not. And then momentarily, remember Peter? Peter, you know, he was faithful to God, walked with Jesus, later on became, you know, a great apostle, one of the greatest apostles we have. But he had a moment in there where he wavered, like he, he denied Jesus. When, when the going got tough, he, he didn't stick. And he's like a really good example of, of most of us. Like a little bit of wavering, right? We, we know we need God. We know we want to be sold out for God. We know we have given God our lives and we're striving to live for God. But we have moments in there where we're making decisions and we're doing things and we're hanging out in ways that we know are questionable. They're not, they're not godly. We, we know God would not like put a stamp of approval on some of the things we think or say or do. And so we're a lot like Peter in that we waver. Like this battle between the world and the kingdom, we kind of waver between these things. The, the, the notion of saving my own skin, right? Or, or, or taking a risk and risking it all for God, you know, saying, God, I'm all in with you, including my finances and my time and my career and my life. See, it's a struggle to figure out how much of the world is too much in my life. Right? We, we, we struggle with this, this wavering between the kingdom of God and the, the world that we dwell in and live in. Where's the line? Because it's really not that easy to see. And then, then when is my life or my lifestyle too extravagant or too worldly or too like 
living in the pleasures of life too much for even God? Like, have I crossed the line? Have I gone too far? Am I too much of the, in the world? Right? These, these are like questions that we ask ourselves because we need to know. We want to know. Like, how much of the blessings that God has given me in my life should I use on me and my little world? And how much should I use on the kingdom of God? These, these are tough questions. This is a struggle that we all face in life. No matter how much you have, how rich you are, or how poor you are, like the question is, is my Christian activity, like even for, for, for like preachers and pastors, is my Christian activity about just being busy? Or is it really about Jesus? Is my life really about Jesus or just carrying out like, religious things now, that's tough questions stick to itness stick to it it has to do with this focused determination to follow jesus and not get hung up by the world or the glitter of the world around us the bling and the key the key i think one of the keys there's several keys but i think one of the keys to stick to itness is passion, passion. A deep-seated stirring in your heart for something or for someone. Like we're all following something. Something is near and dear, deeply dear to us. Some things are, are dearer and then other things are really deep and dear to us. And those things are the things that we're passionate about that we use our time, money, our resources, and efforts, and our thoughts to kind of be encompassed by. The thing that you are most passionate about will make the priority for you. It will become the priority in your life. The thing that you are most passionate about. In fact, Jesus said it like this. Where your treasure is, where your treasure is, whatever object or whatever thing or whatever person or whatever group or whatever group of people, where your treasure is, your stuff, your boats, your houses, your, you know, your uh, whatever, fill in the blank. All of us, not just people who have money, but people who don't. We all have these treasures. And Jesus says, well, where your treasure is, there will your heart be or your passion be also, right? And so we will get stuck, as human beings, we will get stuck to the things that we treasure the most. They will draw us in, they will captivate our attention, and we will spend most of our waking hours, resources, Amazon expenditures on these things. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sticking to Jesus means unsticking to the world. You cannot stick to Jesus wholeheartedly and be stuck to the world at the same time. We have to make a decision. We have to choose. And, and there's a couple passages of scripture, let me share real quick, uh, about this idea of this separation, this distinction between the world 
and the kingdom of God or the things of God. Here you go, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, that, that doesn't mean don't have non-Christian friends. It just simply means be careful how deep you go with your non-Christian friends. I mean, go, if, if, there's, if, if it's a mission that you're on, that your, your goal is to share Jesus with, with these people, with the world, then that's the reason why you go deeper with people. But if it's about playing or it's about, it's about getting caught up in worldly things, then you got to be careful. We have got to be careful because God says, do not be yoked together. Maybe in marriage, don't be yoked together with somebody who's not a believer. Don't marry somebody who's not a believer. That's not a good idea. You're going to go in different directions. And if your deepest, closest friends are non-believers, it's going to be difficult. There's no way. If your goal and your heart is on God and there's, they don't care about God, you and I both know it's going to be a difficult thing. He says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? Other than to try to penetrate it without allowing the darkness to snuff out your light. That's the danger. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or, or the gods of this world, the gods that are man-made gods, right? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and that of idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. He's talking about us as Christians, as believers, and I will be their God and they will be my people. And God claims this as his own. Therefore, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Don't be knit together with people who have no desire for the things of God. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so a follower should have very little in common with the world. If you have all kinds of things in common with people who are non-believers, you got to ask yourself, what are you stuck to? Who am I stuck to? And what has stuck on me? Coming out from their mindset, from the mindset of the world, coming out from that takes determination and decision and choice. We have to be willing to trade it all in, trade it all in our worldly rags that we think are riches for the true riches, which are the kingdom of God and the things of God. You have to be willing to do that. Be separate. Be separate. Another passage of Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice what uh, Paul says here? He says, our citizenship is not on this planet. We live here. We have to walk on it. We have to be a part of this world for now. But I don't belong to this world. I am a citizen of heaven. Our home, our identity, our belonging is to God, not this world. And so again, it challenges us. What are we stuck to? And a big picture. Are we stuck to the world and the things of the world or have we made a decision, a conscious decision to say, I'm going to be stuck to God and the things of God. 
One more passage. First Peter says this, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, doesn't sound like we're at home, to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. And that phrase is probably one of the biggest keys here of them all. Because whatever it is you're stuck to, the enemy is using to war against your soul. This isn't about your pleasures. This isn't about making you feel good or, or giving you the great life, the high life, the American life, the American dream, all this crap. This is about a war for your soul. And the devil will give you every good pleasure that he will throw to you, or present to you, that he knows you're going to love and like, so that you will bite it. Just like he bit that apple in Adam, he will put things in your life that will be so enticing to lure you away. But what, what's going on here is a war against your soul. That's what Peter says. Live such good lives among the pagans, among the non-believers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, like they did Jesus, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. See, we simply don't belong here. Not if you're a Christian. Not if you've given your life to Jesus. You don't belong to the world. So don't get tied down here in the world, in the planet. Be free. Be free in Jesus. Freedom to go, to do, to follow, to serve the God who made you wherever he may lead you. And not only will you save yourself in this process of selling out to God and being stuck on God, but when they see your good deeds, when they see your commitment to Jesus, the, the pagan world, the people that maybe you have friendships with that are not Christian, that they'll see the faith of God in you so deep and so committed and so determined and so stuck on God that they will give God glory and they'll want that in their own life. That's, that's how we're to be living our lives. So attractive to the world, not worldly, but godliness, holiness, determination, strength, power, faith, prayer, all these things we, we've been talking about that, are, that have fortified your life with power in such a way that people look at you and they go, man, that is a mighty person of God. I want a little of that in my life. I want that in my life. And they'll glorify God. So scripture shows us about a number of people who stuck to God, a number of people who wandered from God, who, who chose poorly. But, but it also teaches us about a guy. I want to share this with you as we kind of think about this person. A guy who, who got stuck. He was very stuck. And then there's a contrast of him, his life and decision with the disciples kind of in this story. So we're going to read it. It's uh, Luke chapter 18. Let me see if I got it right here. It's a story about the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. And it's found in, um, we're going to read it out of Luke chapter 18. If you got your Bibles, turn there because I'm not going to put this on the screen because it's a little longer of a passage. And I'd like for us to just kind of think about it, read it. And then um, we're going to talk a little bit about it and wrap this up, okay? Luke chapter 18, verse 18. There we go. A certain ruler asked 
him, asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony on your father and mother. You know, the Ten Commandments that Moses gave us. The man said, All these I have kept since I was a boy. I've done all these things. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. And Jesus looked at him and he said, how hard it is, not impossible, but how difficult it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Think about why that is. Think about why that is. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come eternal life. Wow, cool passage, right? Luke 18, the rich young ruler. This guy, this guy who had lots of wealth, stumbles upon Jesus, maybe on purpose, had some things to say to Jesus, and there's a couple of things that stand out here I want to point out. First of all, the thing we notice the most is that this guy is stuck on his wealth. He's stuck. He is stuck on something, but it isn't God. He is stuck on his wealth. He had a choice to make, right? Jesus clearly gave him a choice, your riches or me. What do you want to be stuck on? What do you want to stick to? Right? That's our choice. And for him, it was, it was Jesus or wealth. For you, it might be drinking or Jesus. Maybe it's drugs or Jesus. Maybe it's your career or Jesus. You know, what's most important to you? What's the priority of your life? What's the passion? What are you stuck to? What are you going to choose to stick to? Sometimes, sometimes people get stuck to things that just suck them in. They don't even realize it. They just wander that way or they grew up a certain way and they're kind of stuck to things that they inherited. But at some point, it's a choice to be stuck to it or not. We have to decide. And you might have to fight like, like you know what, to, to, to get out of whatever it is you're stuck to. It may not be an easy battle to get unstuck. Everything in you, all of your being might want that thing or crave that thing or think or listen to the world that's telling you this is how you, you are. This is you. Go with it. Be you. Do you. But I'm here to tell you that 
that if it isn't honoring God, if it doesn't line up with God, then you're stuck to something that doesn't honor God. And it's our job, it's our responsibility to make a decision just like this rich young ruler had to. Maybe he inherited all this wealth. Maybe he earned it. Maybe it was laid down to him somehow. However, it doesn't matter. The point is he had to make a choice now. Am I going to be stuck to my wealth or am I going to be stuck to Jesus? The second thing is this. Uh, this man, first of all, he was stuck to his riches. That's the first thing. Number two is this. He asked a great question. The guy asked a great question. Did you catch it at the beginning? He says, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's incredible, right? It's almost brilliant, a brilliant question. One that all of us either ask or wonder about at some point or need to if we haven't. Like, like every one of us should be saying, like, how do I go to heaven? How do I get to heaven? Like, I hope you've asked that question. If you've not asked that question, it's time to ask the question. How do I go to heaven? How do I get to heaven? How, what, how, what kind of life can I live that will result in heaven? Is everybody going to heaven? Or are only some people are going to heaven based on the relationship they have with God? We should all ask the question that this man asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's a brilliant question. And here's the flaw with this inquisitive spirit. Man's inquisitive, he finds Jesus, he's rich, he's gonna to talk to Jesus and he wants to ask Jesus the most important question in the world. But there is a flaw with his inquisition. Here it is. He calls Jesus, first of all, he calls Jesus, good teacher, good teacher. He only saw Jesus, this man, as a rabbi or a teacher in some way. He did not recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior, but only as a good teacher. Now, if Jesus is a good teacher, then he's a liar because good teachers don't claim to be God. Don't say, I and the Father are one. Don't claim that you came from heaven, that you're going to go back there. Only the Lord, the Son of God, could say those things. So either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he is the Lord, but he is not just a good teacher. He is that, too. He's a great teacher. But he's more than just a good teacher. And so the first big mistake this man makes is that he only identifies Jesus as being a good teacher. Don't just believe that Jesus is just a good teacher. There's a lot of people out there who think he's just a good teacher and no more than that. That's not enough. He's either the Lord and Savior of the world and a good teacher with that, or he is a lunatic or a liar. But all of us have to choose to decide who he is. And we all need to do our homework as to who this Jesus really is. And then we have to decide in our own heart if we're going to be stuck to Jesus or if we're going to be stuck to something else. The second thing, the second mistake this man makes is he said, what do I have to do? See, he's got this, this like mentality of works. It's like, okay, Jesus, you know, I got a lot of money. 
What's it going to take, Jesus? What's it going to, how, how much? How much do you want? Like, what will buy me a seat in heaven? What's going to buy me a seat at the table, right? What's going what's to get me in the door and still allow me to live my luxurious life here on the earth? And this is another big mistake. And then he confirmed his, his works mentality. He said, like, I kept, I kept, I've kept all the commands. Every one of them, yes, check, 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 check. I haven't killed anybody. I honor my parents. You know, all these commands that Moses gave. I've done all of those since I was a little guy. Look, don't I deserve to go to heaven? And that's another big mistake. To think that we can do anything to deserve heaven. Jesus says, there's just one thing that you're lacking or that you're not catching on to here. And that is this. Take your passion for your things and give it away. Replace your passion for riches for a passion for God. You want to go to heaven? Then you have to choose between the world and God. You have to choose between the kingdom of the pleasures of this world and the pleasures or the, the kingdom of God. And the riches that God has for us. In other words, trade your worldly treasures for heavenly treasures. And then in verse 23, the end of the story goes like this, at least with this man. When he heard this, he became very sad, very sad, for he was extremely wealthy. It's not impossible for rich people to go to heaven. But it is as close to impossible as you can get. It's very difficult to be rich in this world and also be rich in God. It's not impossible. It all determines, it's all determined by what you're stuck to. This man, as our example, went away very sad, very sad. Not just sad, but very sad. He wanted heaven and the riches of God and his wealth. And Jesus said, the day has come where you must choose which one you want more. Does the thought of giving up your things for the things of God and his kingdom make you sad or make you glad? Let me say it again. Does the thought, just the thought right now, this moment, does the thought of giving up everything you have for the things of God and his kingdom make you sad or glad? And this is not a slam against people who have wealth. It just becomes very difficult do you have wealth or does wealth have you? That, that's the question. If, you're, if you got wealth, and we all do in some degree, depends on who you're comparing yourself to, right? If you're comparing yourself to the richest person in the world, I'm, we are all dirt poor. But if you're comparing yourself to other people who live in poverty, we all have wealth. 
So it does depend on who you're comparing yourself to. But if you have wealth, no matter what level of wealth, do you have the wealth or does the wealth own you? Own you. Own you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's what Jesus did. He endured the cross with joy for you and for me. <laughs> Do you get that? Compare what Jesus did and his attitude of joy for going to the cross so that you and I might be saved compared to the things that we are unwilling to let go of. He gave up what he did not have to to give us what we do not deserve. Jesus, Jesus gave up what he, he didn't have to give up. He chose. His choice was to come here and to save you and me from hell. And now God is calling us to make a choice between him and the riches of Jesus that he came here to give you or the junk of the world that's going to perish. It did not make Jesus sad to suffer. It made him glad to suffer. And he stuck to the plan of rescuing you and me. His vision and his passion was you and me. And Jesus stuck to the plan throughout his life and his ministry and the persecution and his death. He stuck to it for you and me out of his love for us. And in verse 24, look what it says. Jesus looked at him, the man, who now is going away sad, became sad, and he said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, whether that's a camel going through the eye of a needle or the needle gate in Jerusalem that the camel had to do weird things to get through. Either way, difficult, not impossible. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone to enter the, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man? is possible with God. And Peter says, we've left all things to follow you, Jesus. We have left everything that we have to follow you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, if you have left everything, you have forfeited all your worldly stuff. You are no longer stuck to the world, but you are completely stuck to God. And the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Peter, I love Peter, right? Don't you love Peter? Wavering Peter said some brilliant things. He, he's wavering just, just like us. But he says, Jesus, like, okay, this guy, he's not willing to let go of his wealth, but he's rich. We're not even rich. We're just poor fishermen. And we've left all of it. We left our nets. We left our father in the boat. And we're now following you and Jesus. He says, Jesus, we are, we are stuck on you. Like Peter's saying, like, we're stuck on you. This man's stuck on his wealth. Peter's saying, God, we're stuck on you. And Jesus says, you're right. 
You're so very right, Peter. And your reward, your reward will be great. It will make like this man's wealth look like dung. This man's wealth that he thinks he has accumulated on the planet is going to be peanuts compared to the wealth that you, Peter, will receive in the kingdom of God and anyone else who sticks to Jesus. See, the problem with, uh, with, with mankind is this. We have a, a misplaced passion. We all got passion. Everyone says, follow your passion. And the world feeds into this attitude of follow your passion. Like, go wherever your heart leads you. Do whatever you want. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. You put God first and everything else God will give you as you need it. But the world says no. No, 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 no. The world says, shouts at us from the colleges and from commercials and from movies and from all kinds of ways. The world is yelling at you. You seek your passion first. You seek your career first. You seek treasures and pleasures first. God wants you to be fulfilled and God wants you to be happy. Sounds a lot like what the devil said to Eve in the garden. And in the process, we sell our soul that's at war with evil to the wrong passions. We start following things that don't matter so much. We get stuck on the wrong things. We get stuck on the wrong things. We get stuck. Oh, we're stuck. But what are we stuck to? See, the world is in a crisis. This world is in a huge crisis. It's not about COVID or disease or sickness. It's about sin and death, heaven and hell. That's what the crisis is all about. Sin has separated us from God. And we are now in survival mode. Survival mode. In your tool belt, you must make a conscious decision to be stuck on Jesus. Stuck on Jesus. Stick to itness. The stick to itness with Jesus. Others will choose to stick to other things. The enemy will give you riches and pleasures to deceive you and pull you away. And the world will laugh at you for being stuck on Jesus. But in the end, in the end, and the end will come. Right? The end will come. It's like, it's like getting all excited in a football game in the second quarter or the third quarter because your team's winning and you get all excited and start celebrating, but the end is coming. The fourth quarter is about to come. And it doesn't matter what you did the first half. What matters is how the game ends. And what matters is how it all ends in your life and how your life comes to an end and how this world comes to an end and who the victor will be. The victor will not be the evil one and his rule on the world right now. The God of this age, who is Satan himself, who has blinded the eyes of all, he will not win in the end. He may appear to be winning during the game. But stick to it means that you stick to it to the very end. Because in the end, there's going to be a shifting of power 
and there's going to be a victor in Jesus in the end there's going to be a great separation in the very end in the very end look Jesus said in Matthew 25 when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all of the angels come with him that day has not yet happened that day is going to happen sometime soon he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him, you, me, and everyone who's ever lived. And he will separate the people, us, one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and he will put the goats on his left. See, this is what's going to happen in the end. And the determining factor, the determining factor of who is a sheep and who is a goat and who receives eternal life and the riches of the kingdom of God and those who don't, the determining factor is those who are stuck on Jesus or not. Heart, mind, body, and soul, all in all stuck on Jesus. He, Jesus, is our only chance for survival. Jesus. Are you stuck on Jesus or are you stuck on something else? Father, help us. Help us, God, to examine our hearts and our minds and our lives and the things that we do. Help us to make whatever corrections, whatever adjustments, whatever we need to rid out of our life, God, rip it from us. Take it, Lord, please, that we would gain a better kingdom, that we would gain a better standing, God, in you, that we would be used by you for your glory, that we would show you by our decisions and our actions that we are stuck on you because we know that you are life, eternal life, and everything else is shifting sand and will perish one day. God, we love you. Thank you for giving us the option. Thank you for giving us free will that we might choose you, Lord. We love you. We give you thanks. Walk with us today, God. Help us to make decisions that will honor you. In Jesus' precious and powerful name, I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. And uh, be careful out there, okay? Stick to Jesus. God bless.